everyone, and welcome to the Round 25 episode for 2019 of Ref's Roundup. It's great to be back in the studio to chat about the weekend's games and what's happening in the world of refereeing. And a very lovely welcome to my favourite NRL referee and my favourite husband, Gavin Badger. So Thanks. semi-finals are coming up. And the women's competition, how excited are you? Yeah, that, that's one thing that we do look forward to, you know, the, the end of season games, which is the semi-finals, and off the back of last season, the NRLW, which, you know, kicked off with, in great style last year and hopefully even, you know, bigger and stronger this season. Yep, and semi-final season's always, always exciting for players, fans and officials alike. And uh, one of the referees who will be refereeing in the semi-finals season is joining us on the line today. We're very glad to have a special guest with us, Ashley Klein. How, how are you, Ash? Yeah, really good, thanks, Case. How are you going? Yeah, we're going well, mate. Um, we thought it'd be good to get you um, on the show today just to have a bit of a chat about um, about yourself, about heading into semi-final series and also... Um, a lot around your role in the bunker because your um, role within the squad is quite unique in that you don't only referee, but you're one of the senior review officials. So you carry, um, I guess, double the responsibility of of a lot of us. Um, how do you balance that, your your role within the bunker with your on-field officiating? Uh, I look at it as exciting. Um, it's great to be involved in any NRL game, but to allow yourself to be involved in multiple games over the course of a weekend um, is actually exciting. I enjoy rugby league, so what better way to be involved in actually being part of it? And um, I'm, I'm one that loves technology, and the bunker definitely offers that um, the technological side of the game and you know, the, the amount of screens and the camera angles. Um, yeah, it, yeah, it excites me, and um, it's something that I'm passionate about and enjoy doing. How do you, it, sort of, Casey, sort of brought up the balance? But how do you separate your two roles? So obviously, on-field refereeing isn't as technical as them when you're in the bunker. So how how do you sort of differentiate the two? Yeah, obviously, the primary role is my on-field refereeing. So that's that's my focus uh, throughout the week. It involves all the training. Um, I think one of the things is like when you're out on the field refereeing, you, you'll make multiple decisions, and yes, you'll make errors. But um, once you make a decision, you actually got another decision to make immediately. Um, whereas in the bunker, it's actually we, we're just sitting there, so I'm counting tackles. There's not um, much that you're actually doing to contribute to the game, other than you can assist with the tackle count. So you're basically just sitting there waiting. Um, some games you may not have any decisions. Other games there's multiple decisions, but um, the pressure becomes um, totally different there when, obviously, the the referee on the field draws the box in the air and um, calls on the the assistance of the bunker. Um, it creates a different type of pressure um, where you actually all of a sudden thrust into the spotlight when when you're out there on the field refereeing, you're actually just going from decision to decision. And I actually find that a lot easier than um, yeah, the bunker's actually actually more pressure. Uh, so we've spoken before uh, earlier in, in the podcasts around black boxing decisions. So on field, you make a decision, it's forget about it, move on, because like you say, we have another one to, to make pretty soon after. Does it make it harder yeah. to black box in the bunker because you may have a long period of time between your next decision and downtime? So I know you say you count tackles and just a myriad of other things that you do in the bunker, but yeah, does it make it harder to black box that decision? Oh, it definitely can do. So once you make the decision, it immediately goes through your head. Oh, is that correct? And then you actually start looking over the decision again, different angles. And um, at the end of the day, actually, you can't change. You've actually already made the decision, but all you're doing is trying to convince yourself that whatever decision you made was was the correct decision. Um, there is the element of 
you know, sometimes time pressure, you, you don't want it to um, take too long. So that, you know, that's where the, the patient sort of builds up when decisions can take um, a long time. Um, is that... Yeah, the, the black boxing is hard. We've spoken before about um, when we're out on the field and we're dealing with a certain situation. A lot of the times it's when something um, has happened either with communication with a player or something around foul play or in a fight or something like that where we feel like something takes forever on field and then when we watch our take back we go oh actually that didn't take that long um does that happen in the bunkers as well when you're making a decision do you feel like something is like you're taking more looks at it um or it's taking longer to come to a decision than what it actually did yeah i think that's definitely the case i think the longest decision might have been around the two-minute mark, but I, I know the feeling that whenever you're involved in a decision that takes two minutes, it really does feel like five minutes. Yeah. Um, well, and then you go back and watch it, and it's, well, it's only two, but it just feels like forever. And, and that's a perception that happens out there because there's a decision in uh, the game I officiated on the weekend in the Dragons-Titans game, the Tristan Saylor trial oh, where, where we go back to the, the touch. Thumb. Yeah. And, you know, all the, the post-game talk was around a bunker decision that took five minutes. Um, yeah, I have that right. clip. I have that clip, and I'm watching my game. And when I'm doing my review of the tape, it takes. It, it is just on two minutes. You but know, and but, that's but, right. but the, everyone's saying yeah. it's a decision that took five minutes, and how can it? But in reality, it was two minutes. Yeah, and two minutes is a long, like you say, is a long time for a bunker decision. But you know, some are going to be a lot more difficult than the other. And this is, as, you know, this one in particular was as difficult as it gets. That's right, and, that, and that's why at the end of the day, um, we, we're not told that we have to be quick. There's no time limit on what we're trying to do. At the end of the day, accuracy is the important part of um, yeah, the bunker and why, why the whole video referee was, was designed is mm. to um, yeah, to be accurate. So we spoke about the, the time pressure that you, you feel like you, you're under at, at times, as much as, um, as, you, as you say, you're not given any guidelines as to, you know, you have to be under X amount of seconds or minutes or, or whatever. Um, what are the other pressures... Um, like inside the bunker, both during the game, um, like what, what different, I, I guess, scenarios cause pressure, and also just in day to day, like post game, um, in the, you know, the world of controversies that we live in in the in the game of, of rugby league. Um, you know, what are those pressures like for you as well? Yeah, uh, so with the with the bunker um, the bunker pressures within the game, we work in a, a team of three. We have an operator that's um, employed by Hawkeye that controls the the vision for us. So they they look at the camera angles and you know sign basically whatever they believe the best um, angle is for the decision to us. Um, you know, if we're not happy, we just need to communicate with them. Um, so you'll say bring in, bring in camera what, and all the cameras and that's numbered. right, yeah, yeah, that's right. And so, so they're the ones actually you know controlling all the vision, and then there's the, the two actual. Um, the referee operators, where one's an ex-footballer, so we have Brian Norrie, Ben Galea, Bo Scott, and um, Ben Lowe, that are the ex-footballers that um, are involved, and their, their primary role in the decision making is around um, obstructions and groundings. Yeah. Um, but that they will assist in the other decisions, and then the senior review officials are, are referees. So there's myself, uh, Henry Perinara, who also referees on field, um, Jared Maxwell, and Steve Chitty and Steve Clark. Um, are the senior review officials, and so that all, all, all of us have a, a refereeing background um, that basically make the call on all technical decisions um, and involve the laws of the game. So that's when the decisions happen. We, we, we consult with each other. Um, so the bunker basically has um, similar um, 
rides as a touch judge um, in regards to foul play, so we can come and report any foul play that we believe um, is reportable. Um, and we can do that up until um, the first play of the ball of the following set or if the scrum has been fed, yeah. um, if it goes to a drop ball. So um, we have the same role as them. You spoke briefly on communication then around yep. you know how you can talk to your your operator and stuff like that. Um, this is probably three pronged question around communication. So, you know, ha- the importance of your communication not only to the operator because you need certain angles and, like you say, we're not time pressured, but we like to be time efficient. Um, so you've got that communication between yourselves in there. You've got communication with the match day coaching on field officials that needs to be succinct and to the point and, sh- and short and sharp. Then you've also got the communication that you put over the air. Um, you know, it, 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 the fact the fact we speak about on field how important communication is to us achieving our roles is it to me it seems like it's equally as important in the bunker that the way you communicate can have a big um, sort of impact on the outcome and the perception of people outside listening and watching. You you, you sort of think that communication plays that major role. Oh, it's, it, it's massive. Um, you know, communication, particularly when it comes to a bunker decision for the the public and you know the players and the fans, is that. Um, People watch watch the football with their ears, basically. So since, since the bunker's been in operation, the senior review official will talk through the decision. Um, there are times when there's no conversation happening and it's actually happening internal between the um, the review official and the, the senior review official, but it's important. That the best we can explain decisions and what we're looking at, um, it generally guides you know, the fans along those lines, so, oh, yeah, and then understand, oh, well, yeah, I can see that. That's why they made that decision, or I can see why it's tough, because they need to... Well, I can't tell either. So I think the more we um, communicate, the better, and it is part of... Um, it's just, just guiding, showing fans why, why we make decisions, particularly when there's, there's a technical aspect to it, the, the better we are, and, and yeah, with the catch on the inside and with some of the obstructions and talking about defensive decisions. So the more... Yeah, we communicate what we're seeing and why we're making decisions. Um, I, def- I definitely think it educates yeah, you know, well, the fans and the players. I see that as a real um, a real plus or a, w- a real skill set of the senior review officials is when you have the ability to um, to explain the law. So not not just um, yeah, you're almost directing where people are sort of thinking. Yeah, yeah. So you're directing f- fans, players, commentators, all the rest. Even of us it. on field yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, as to yeah, what, right. as to what you're looking at and and why, because it's one thing to say, oh, we're looking for this or we're looking at this, but to explain that the reason why is because okay, so now it is, which means that player is now placed on site, or it means that this player is now offside, or whatever it might be. Um, it, it could be something on a jag back on a player, and then saying and and this um, has. Um, you know, delayed them being able to get to the ball first in a try-scoring situation. Wh- whatever it might be, it explains the laws and why the ruling is going to be applied. Um, and I definitely see that as, as you know, super, super Im- important. Um, and w- with that, we speak about... Uh, Badge touched on that, you've, you know, you're speaking to the other review official and the Hawkeye person in, in the bunker. And you're also speaking to us on field at, at times as well. Um how important is that, and you get a great sense of it, both being in the bunker and being on field, when you're on field and you do get clear communication from the bunker compared to when things have happened where we then sit back and go, well, that could have been done better. Um, when you're out on the field and you feel like 
geez, I don't know what's going on or I'm not sure what the bunker's thinking or, or talking about. Can you sort of touch on that a little bit? Yeah, I think it's just uh, massive. And I think the game's seen a shift towards um, you know, player safety and the importance of um, dealing with foul play um, in, in a greater manner. So part of that communication is on field. It is hard to see everything. So therefore, and I know that you're out on the field and you make a call or you, something happens and you're actually not certain where the point of contact was or how bad the actual tackle was. And it's important there for the bunker to... Um, yeah, talk through what they're seeing basically. So they're they're sat in there with anywhere from nine to sixteen camera angles. Um, and I don't know how lonely it gets out on the field where there's there's a player that's on the ground being treated for um, for an injury, and mm. you're actually not sure. Did, was it a, you know was it foul play that actually requires ten minutes in the bin? Was it um, a head clash which actually yeah. is that, you know incidental? And, and, and you and, and and on field you want to start thinking about okay what am I going to say to this? to the offending player, to the offending team, to the team who might be receiving the penalty or who might not be receiving a penalty because it is just a, a head clash or yeah, incidental right. contact or whatever. So you want that information as as quickly as possible but that's, also that's right. but also as accurate um, as, as possible, I guess. Um, yeah, and, and that's the case. That's where the communication comes in. So as the, the on-field officials are dealing with, you know, 26 you know, players on the field, so it's important there that the bunker um, immediately starts talking through what they're seeing, and and what happens there is that creates conversation then between obviously the bunker, bunker two, the two bunker officials, but also the on-field officials to add in what 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 they're seeing in regards to the, the you know the injury and the foul play. So, yeah. so everyone we, can sort of make the next the best assessment to to deal with that situation, um, how they deem fit. Yeah, because you get such a great understanding of. Um, yeah, of both sides of it. Do you think that your role in the bunker assists you with your on-field performance or, or your your ability on field? Um, and and if so, like how or why? Oh, I, I have no doubt that I believe that I referee better as a result of being um, in in the bunker and sort of twofold. Where by being in the bunker, you're actually exposing yourself to other officials um, mm. and seeing what other officials do and appreciating the game from a different perspective. Um, I think when you do the single role, sometimes you actually probably get too narrow-minded and focused on yourself um, yeah. and what you're doing. It might not take in that what other, others are doing is actually really good and um, you can actually learn from each other. Yeah. Um, and that's what you know, the bunker allows me to do. Cause I, I basically sit there and think about one, what, what, what would I do in those situations, mm-hmm. um, but then also look at well, what, what is actually happening um, and then sort of go from there and... In regards to input that I can assist during the game, so as a senior review official, I won't talk to the on. We we don't talk to the on-field officials unless it's a foul play or a video yeah. check, which has been instigated by the on-field officials. Um, but we will speak to the match day coach and give any observations um, that we think um, is is relevant. And, and a lot of the times, um, and as I say to the match day coaches, I will just be listening. I'll listen to what the on-field officials as their assessment. I'll listen to see what the match day coach assesses to the on-field officials and if I don't have anything to offer, um, I won't say anything, but if I believe something different and I can offer something that will contribute to the game, then, then I will say and something you'll jump in. Yes. to the match day coach only. Interesting you say that because on a slightly different um, angle to it, I've said before that I feel like I touch judge better and I referee better when I'm doing both roles. Um, you know, someone who does, who's 
does both both roles. There can sometimes be times where you're just touch judging for a number of weeks and not refereeing or just refereeing for a number of weeks and not touch judging. And I always say I find I perform better when I'm actually regularly doing both. And I think it's similar to what you say. You're actually you're thinking about the game in a different capacity and you're exposed to other referees and, and what they're doing. And I think you can just take in more, like you say, you don't get so focused on yourself as an individual. Yeah, well... I find the same, you know, we've sort of got our own little different variations of it, but I find the same coaching young officials. Mm. By me, you know, it, I think I, my confidence on the field is much greater because of, uh, it, it's sort of twofold, the, the, the experience I get from watching those young referees, referee, and, and I pick things up from them because they're doing stuff out there now that, you know, and, and the skill levels are much higher than I was at that level, so I'm learning from them, but i also got to go out there and you know, monkey see, monkey do sort of thing. And if I'm telling these guys that this is how they've got to perform, I've got to make sure that I'm performing to that standard as well. So it keeps me honest as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I say there's massive benefits in it. And yeah, and, and that's purely it, is that, um, yeah, you're just exposing yourself to, to more to yeah. different officials. And um, the more, yeah, I think it does, does tighten you. And um, yeah. I would no doubt you, you've become a better official as a result of it. Yeah. Um, we talk amongst those of us who are um, multi skilled, like, myself who touch judge and referee about the different skill sets of a, of a referee to a touch judge and yeah. there are there are significant Everyone, um, yeah, different different skill sets so you need to be able to do both of them to an elite um, level um, and that would be the same for you know yourself and, and Henry who are actively refereeing on field but also in the bunker um, are you able to identify what are those I guess those different skill sets or even what are the similar skill sets that that um, carry over between the two roles? Apart yeah, from obviously that, knowing the rules. <laughs> yeah, so obviously the, the, the laws is probably, to start with, the most important part and the interpretations. Yeah. Um, because you've got to yeah. be black and white to the letter of the law in the bunker. That's right. There's, there's a level of discretion when you're refereeing on the field. Um, yeah. yeah, and how you adjudicate is very easily. If you go to the level of the law, you can end up with 40 to 80 penalties a game. Yeah. That's too slow. Players have done that. But that's not what rugby league's about. It's about you know encouraging free-flowing football and... But unfortunately, when it comes to the bunker, we are bound really by the laws of the game. Um, and, and, and policies. Know, there's an interpretation yeah. book that we have with it. So um, we do have to stick to that. Um, down to the point where if, if the ball-carrying arm touches the ground, the player's held, mm. and he throws it back in, even though the tackle might be moving, um, you know, technically the tackle's complete. So um, yeah. we'd have to have to rule accordingly it's, on, on, on things like that. It's funny you so, talk about stuff like that. We're watching a game... Might have been on Sunday, Casey and I at home, and there was one where, you know, there's a guy, um, I can't remember exact situation, but, you know, at some stage, if you stopped the frame, it would have, it would have looked like mm. you could have made a point that he's, the tackle was complete, but it was never complete. But if it was a decision that went to the bunker, you would have come to, back as yeah. you would have had to come back and technically say, well, he's on the ground, there's a hand on him, and the ball's on the ground. But when you watch it, you know, it's a bit different if you had to make a decision on the live. So it shows how technical it can be. Yeah, and that's um, and that's just the way. So you have to be, you have to be able to uh, yeah, very, yeah, it has um, to be up to date with all those, and uh, even communication is is a part of it. So how you control that room, so being confident in how how you're speaking with your your, your review official, what you're asking out of the Hawkeye operator, because at the end of the day, every decision is how it is then presented to the public. So it's important that it's um, presented in a manner that um, everyone one can see what you're saying and. Um, understand why, why decisions are being made. So we need to make sure we have the best camera angles to present you know, the decision um, so that everyone understands down to where you know, we make use of the split screens in yeah. regards to you know, close touchline corner post decisions where people can see 
the, you know, the body and the, the ball at the same time. And um, I, I think that's definitely worked well in um, speeding up the process rather than having to bring in two, watch one camera angle and watch the second camera angle and try and marry it up, you know, within your head. Yeah. People actually see it there on the screen at the same time. It falls down. Um, I think that's helped. So yeah, it's a better selling point, isn't it? Yeah, so part of part of that um, is, is important. And, yeah, and just ha- just be in confidence. I think confidence is one of the keys um, in regards to both roles. It's how, how you then sell the decision and speaking confidently to the public and you know using the right words, the words that um, basically form our laws and, and interpretations. Um, yeah. The more we use them, the more it educates people around what it is, you know, be it downtown, how to play, um, you know, the different words that actually appear within the book. Yeah. Um, and, and the words that allow players to be put on side, as, as you mentioned yeah. before, so, uh, is important. I guess there's, there's no doubt that sitting in the bunker is a, is a challenging role. Um, what, would you, what do you personally find are the main challenges for, for bunker officials? The, the, the main challenge is really comes down to the, the how technical you you want to be at times. Because yeah. um, rugby league, it, it is about free flowing and trying to generate as much football as you want. And, um, and and an example is obviously Gavin's game on the weekend where people talk about the thumb yeah. touching the ball, um, and, and we look at it multiple times. And that, that, that's where the challenge comes in: is that did he or didn't he touch it? Um, yeah, can't I tell them? It's very hard then to make the assessment of, well, yeah, is that a, is that a touch and should we allow play to proceed? Or yeah. And there's no right or wrong because if you, if you sat there as a Dragons fan, there's no doubt that they believe it should be a try because you can't tell. But if you sat there as a Gold Coast fan, <laughs> you know, that yeah. the thumb definitely touches the ball. Um, and that's probably the hardest thing around it is when you get those decisions where it then becomes a subjective call and what is sufficient evidence to overturn a decision. Yeah. Comes down and really the hands of the senior review official and the review official on the game. I guess that's but, always um, a misconception of of people in that you know the bunker or any storm of form of video technology is is conclusive and it you know it's black and white and and all the rest of it. But at the end of the day, there are still so many things that you come down that that comes down to a subject. That's right. At the end of yeah, the day, it's still it's, a human looking at that to say was that ball touched? Was it caught on the inside? Um, was there a hand on the player which constitutes them being Held, um, there yeah, is still and, and that subjectivity right. yeah, to it, and, and that's the thing. It's just it comes down to a call, and then they've got to make the call. And as long as you're making the call, and then talking through the reasons of why you've given the decision, showing the public, um, I think they're the key in how how the decisions are made. And and, and there are, are investigating different ways we can look at uh, making that process easier, be it um, line technology for on sides and off sides, the kick yeah. chase, and. You've talked about... Um, yeah, there's lots of talk about plenty of different things and, you know, factors and not everyone's going to be perfect and, you know, as, as long as you've got subjectivity and you've got human human beings um, pushing the buttons, there's always going to be that grey area where people are going to disagree on decisions. So it's, it's never going to be perfect, no matter what... No, what that's right. Have. And while humans are making decisions, that's just the way it is. Exactly and that right. is the beauty of rugby league. It um, creates talking points that people can chat about at the water cooler at work um, on a Monday. Exactly right. One thing I know about you is you are a competitive beast. You love to compete <laughs> and you love to win. Um, so just like on field, we all want to go out there and referee the grand final and you're in a position where you, you know, you, you, you've put yourself in a position where you, there is a possibility that could happen for you this, this season. Um, but there's also that same competitive nature in the bunker so you guys all want to do the big games you want to do the origins if you're not on field 
um, in grand final. So the process around debriefing performances then into you know big match appointments is that the same because we've spoken about it on this podcast as well how we're evaluating stuff is it the same in the bunker or is there a different um, process is there a process yeah so we, we, we have a meeting um, every Monday night um, which involves all the bunker officials um, and, and the Hawkeye operators they, they're involved this year so um, and, and we look at challenging each other um, you know how, how do we communicate can we do that better um, down to the Hawkeye are we using the right camera angles and could we have you know, been better there so we do um, challenge each other um, yeah, pretty well on a Monday evening. Um, so that's on top of my, my, my on-field commitments that I've already completed throughout the day on Monday. So we meet in the evening on a Monday night. Long long days, um, Mondays for you? It is, it is, yeah. So, you know, <laughs> last week was a 14-hour day. and um, But that's that's just that's part what of is, yeah. what you do. And it's just got to be done um, if you want to you know, strive to be better. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's exciting time for everybody. So you know, as you said... Um, and then I'd love to be involved on the field, but um, if that's not the case, I also want to be involved off the field, and that just goes back to um, you know why, why we want, just want to be involved in the game, which would be no different to you know, any of us here would rather be involved in some capacity than sat in the grandstand watching, um, and that's sort of where it's at. So um, Graham Ansley does the does the appointments there for the major games because obviously Jared, who is the the bunker manager, um, is actually a yeah, he's a, a he's senior review he's official. Compete, yeah, so, so he's competing um, essentially he takes with you. out of the actual pointing of that, and it's, it's done you know, above him, um, so that it's obviously fair for all the, the senior review officials to make sure that we have the um, best person for the job. And yeah, it, it is no different to, to on the field. They'll uh, you know, assess the year's worth of work and work out who, who they believe will be the best person for the job. Um, you know, come those major games, and you know, Jared was lucky enough to do all three Origins, um, which obviously puts himself in a good position. Um, going into the final series. Mm. Um, what, how do you find, or between the your role in the bunker and your um, role as a, as a referee, we all know that all of us are under um, scrutiny and you know public criticism and, and all the rest of it. Um, do you find that that scrutiny or um, I, I guess negativity? Or any of those things, do you find it worse as a on-field referee or as the bunker official, or no difference between the two? Um, from from an expectation point of view, I don't. I think as the general public probably believes that they don't understand how a bunker official can get a decision wrong. Yeah. So I believe there would be more scrutiny. Because going back to to the refereeing. Yeah, we are human, just like players will drop the ball and miss tackles. You're going to see things wrong as a referee. Um, it's impossible to be perfect, um, but you call things as you see it. And you have the opportunity to then make another decision immediately afterwards. Um, when it comes down to the, the bunker, you actually... There's no time pressure, as I, you know, as I said. You, you, you feel it yourself. You create it yourself based on watching it over and over, but there's no actual pressure other than getting the decision correct. Yeah. So... I sort of believe I should walk out every week with no errors in the bunker. Yeah. Because I've got all the information there to make the decision. And, and at the end of the day, if there isn't sufficient evidence, we actually have an on-field official uh, on-field decision mm. made by the um, yeah, on-field guys and, and girls that um, we can you know, give, you know, give the correct lean on that decision. If we don't have the evidence there, if we can't see the ball or something's you know, no, no angles showing anything, 
Yeah. Um, so, um, oh, yeah, I believe we shouldn't make any there. So I do find there's more more public pressure around the bunker because really, and I do actually tend to agree with you know, the public on this, is that we really shouldn't be getting it wrong. Yeah. Yeah, we do expect to get 100% of those decisions wrong. Yeah, and when I say that, I'm, yeah, wrong is different to disagree. Yeah, oh, decisions yeah. That are different to grey. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, this weekend, Ash, uh, you won't be in the bunker because you'll be refereeing um, one of the NRL semi-final uh, matches. So how, um, just one last question before we, we let you go. Um, how do you find semi-final season? How excited are you for, I guess, this, this end of the year? No, I'm really excited. It is the best time of the year, and at the end of the day, we end up with the best eight teams. Sure, you sure your best round. time? You sure your best time of the year is not preseason? Oh, I think you know how well I go preseason. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm good to go for round one. Every year, so. um, yeah, but no, it, it is exciting. So yeah, the 25 weeks of the season leaves you with what what is the top eight um, top eight teams and. You know, it is really exciting, and to be doing uh, Melbourne and Canberra this weekend, where you know that's first and fourth, and two of the form sides of the competition throughout the, the course of the year, it, it is really exciting, and I'm you know looking forward to the the challenge that um, the next month can hopefully bring. And how how excited are you about the um, touch judges that you've got for this weekend, oh, please. mate? Yeah, I'm looking forward. Um, Wiz um, goes pretty well coming <laughs> down from Brisbane. Um, I can't remember the name of. My other touch judge. Uh, oh, my back sore already from carrying you through that game, mate, yeah, in anticipation. No, 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 I'm looking forward to it. Yes, and I was very pleased when I saw Casey was doing the game with myself. So um, I'm looking forward to running with you both. Um, yeah, it'll be yeah, good. And it's exciting, yes. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, we've got a, a good group and yeah, we get to go down there Friday, um, which I think will help with our preparation for the game. Um, yeah. We'll get to be together from Friday onwards and um, come 5.40 on you know, Saturday, we'll be ready to go and as well prepared and yeah. should be ready good. for any challenge that the game will throw at us. Yeah, should be good fun, mate. Definitely looking forward to it. And um, thanks again for joining us today. Um, we Obviously, we know it's your it's your day off and you get less time than the rest of us because of all your bunker commitments and stuff as well um, after yesterday. But, um, yeah, thanks again, mate, and we'll uh, catch up with you tomorrow at training. Yeah, no worries there. Thanks, Gav. Thanks, Casey. See you, mate. See you, mate. Bye-bye. Um, so it's great. Hopefully that offered our listeners a bit of an insight into um, what the – you know, the role of the bunker officials, what they do, what the sort of pressures that they're under. We know how um, important their role is to what we do on field. Like Ash sort of explained for them to talk through certain things um, while we're standing there on the field waiting to be told something. We we know what we've, we may have seen, um, but especially in those big scenarios where there might have been some sort of brawl or something where it's impossible amongst 26 players to absolutely see everything um, to you know to get the clear communication from them we really need to them, them to be spot on in in what they're telling us in order for us to perform well on the field oh yeah they're a big part of our game day you know we're part of our team for the day even though we don't we don't see them because they're in in the the bunker in the city but um no, no that, that just having that conversation with us then i'm sure people listening would have got a great insight into to how it's done and how it's performed in it because it's not uh, you know, it's not a lot put out there around how the bunker sort of goes about their business. So yeah. hopefully people got a little bit out of that and gives them an insight into how and why. Yeah. Well, it leads us into one of the listener questions that we have this week where someone asked, when we send a try to the bunker, do we get a tip from them as to whether we send it up, try or no try? 
Um, no, we definitely don't. Um, the live on-field decision is exactly that. It's a live decision that's come up with the four officials on field. Um, generally, the lead referee or whoever the referee is in the position to award the try at the, the, the stage of the game, referee the controlling the referee, will take... You, if you have a look at when before we give a try, you'll see the referee will look to every other official. So what we're doing is we're getting the information before we award a try or even before we send a try up. So it'll be everyone happy, and if, if that all comes across as yes, then we'll give the try. If not, someone will say, mate, you need to check for the grounding. I'm, I didn't see the ball on the ground. And then the, the lead referee of the touchdowns might say, no, 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 I've got that ball down. Yep. And we may then give it or we may then start with try. Because you know, if we are still going to check it, so there's there's a, there's a fair bit of information we talk about communication, and, and it all boils down to that. There's a fair bit of communication that goes into us getting to the live decision, which 100% always comes from the four on-field yeah. officials. Yeah. So the bunker don't come in and say try or no try before we, uh, you know, as we're blowing the whistle and drawing the, no. the video screen in in the air. Um, and like I said, sometimes there can be a difference of opinion on field between the on-field officials, and that's because we're all in a different position. And we're so one, we're looking at something from a different angle, but we're also responsible for looking at different things. And we've touched on that quite a few times about the roles and responsibilities of different officials um, in different scenarios. Uh, and that's where, like you say, you could have one. You you might have the assist ref say, "I don't have grounding," but the head ref say, "Yes, I've got it." So I'm going to award it, or vice versa. Um, and and uh, we had an example a few weeks ago in a game in New Zealand where um, I think it was Pen- Penrith Penrith were playing across there and it was Brian Toll with one of his big Superman leaps insane um, incredible athlete and I was a hundred percent confident in terms of touch line touching goal and the grounding I knew it was tight but I was yeah I was very comfortable so I said yes it's a it's a try um, like check. I can't remember if I said to check it or not, or that it was, just, but I was comfortable that it was a try. But then you had the assist ref in John Stone um, telling the referee, "Just wait, you need to check this. There might be an obstruction. Send it up as no try." So that's because in that role and responsibility on the touchline, I'm not looking at obstructions and lead runners and no. where the ball is caught. That's not not my job. And from where I'm positioned, I'm not going to see that. And that's why there are times where we do have a difference of opinion. Yeah. And then it's up to the, the control referee at the time to, to marry that up and go, okay, well, my live decision is now going to be no try because the obstruction element was the first element that happened to it, yes. that, 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 that occurred. So I'm not going to say it's a try based on the grounding and the touching goal line because the obstruction actually, well, the potential obstruction actually occurred first. Yeah, and, and like you said, that can happen on numerous decisions. And a, a, a lot of times it's sort of a little bit of tangent, but it's... A, sort of in this space is when we do actually check a decision, it's because we may have some different opinions from different positions. Mm. And and it may be like you just said, it may be multiple decisions. So yeah. we might be comfortable that 95% of it is good, but there might be something else that, you know, that someone's had a question on even. It might even be that, so it might not even be that we've, we're adamant that I've got a, a, you know, a decision on it. It might be I'm not entirely sure what happened there. Yeah. We've got this technology. The opportunity is there. Let's use Let, it. Let's use it, yeah. Let's, let's get the decision right. Um, 
other question that we had this week was what's the difference between when a ball carrier is penalised for an incorrect play the ball versus when we rule that they've lost the ball or we've penalised the defender? Is so this not, in the play the ball scenario? In the play the ball yeah. scenario. So, so not just the ball carrier, um, like a, a roll ball or yeah. whatever, or the ball carrier doing something wrong in terms of um, you know, raising an elbow or yep. anything like that, but the actual play the ball yeah. itself. There are times when we penalise them, and we saw it on the weekend. Um, uh, Martin Power was penalised in the Parramatta and Manly game um, versus times when we go blow the whistle, lost ball, versus times when the defender gets, gets penalised. And... Um, Essentially, what happens is that the ball carrier has to have balance and control and the ball has to be brought into play correctly. So I've got to play the ball backwards with, with my foot, right? So I can't kick the ball forwards or just step over. I can't just fall over the top fall of over the top of the ball. <clears throat> so, the, so the ball's got to stay in the ruck. We'll just break down that balance and control a little bit as well. But just because I fall over doesn't mean I haven't had balance and control. Yes. So that's one of the things as well. So I can get up, play the ball with my foot and the action of me using to use my foot to play the ball... I might not be, have stability, but I've got balance and control and I fall over. Well, I had so balance and control in getting to my foot to play, to play the ball. ball. Post ah. that, I fell over. So I don't have to... There's nowhere to say stability. It just says balance and control. Yeah. So at some stage in that process, if I had it, we'll generally play on. And, and like we said, we try and get as much play on as we can. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if there's none of that, so I'm, I sort of roll the ball and fall between... You know, fall over as I'm rolling the ball between my legs. It's a, it's a little bit different. So that's the first aspect of it. Yeah. So essentially that... If the if the defender's done nothing wrong and the ball carrier plays the ball while they're on the ground, like so their hands are still on the ground, their knees are still on the ground, they they haven't attempted to rise to their feet at all and they just sort of fall over the ball, that's they're the ones that we penalise. Versus if they do attempt to actually rise to their feet and they've just stuffed it up, so it's like an accident... It's almost like when a player knocks on or accidentally throws a forward pass or whatever, they're the ones that we sort of go just lost because we go, well, they've actually tried to do something. They've just stuffed it up. Whereas when they're trying to gain an advantage by playing the ball way too quickly, they're actually still on the ground in a bit of an A-frame sort of position and they and they stuff it up just falling over the top, never had um, balance and control. They're the ones that we penalise. Um, in well, saying it's that... It's like what you're saying. You sort of brought it up there. One's to try and gain an advantage. Yeah. One's I've just... Stuffed it. I've just stuffed it up. Yeah. yeah. So if I'm trying to gain an advantage by trying to play it too quick, the, there's a more likelihood that I'm going to penalise you as compared to you get up, kick the ball forward, yep. fall over it, whatever. Yep. Um, but with that, we've also got to weigh up the action of the defender. So I talked about that Martin to Power one on the weekend and Graham Annesley spoke about it yesterday in that it was an incorrect de- decision. The penalty should have been given to, to Manly um, because there was a defender still around Martin to Power's waist. So, yes, he plays the ball incorrectly and topples forward. But there's a contribution from the defender. Yeah, so take the defender out of it, and Martin Tapao's action is a penalty. Yes. If there was yes. no defender in there. Once there's a defender in there now, we, you know, we lean on the fact that the well, defender's had an impact on The it. defender impacts his ability to, to actually to sta- stand up and get to it. So, yes, he's trying to play the ball quickly, but if that weight of the defender's not on him, he, he actually has the up. opportunity to, to stand up properly and, and, and play the play the ball. Um, so... The, they are very subjective and they happen so quickly and you have to weigh up so many elements. You're looking at, are their hands still on the ground? Have they gotten to their feet? Have they gotten a foot on the ball? Has the ball gone backwards? Has it gone forwards? Is a defender touch touching them? Is it just 
like a finger on them with no compared to weight a compared to a push compared to coming in from the side even like yeah, a little the bump. knees sort of knock them. A, a, yeah, this. They they are dif- they are difficult. We, to, to we weigh look up. at these often in, in, in a Monday afternoon, and you know, so we can try and get some consistency consistency around them, which I think we are really good at. Yeah. Um, and I think it's because we continually reassess these and look at them and say, okay, which ones can we run with? Which ones do we need to jump into? Do we into? play on from this? So the first thing that we come up with is, okay, can we play on or can we not? Yes. That's the first element. And then which if way we do we go? If we can play on, we play on. If you can't play on, now it's okay. Is it the defender's fault? Or is it the ball carrier's fault? If it's the defender's fault, it's a penalty against them. Is it the ball carrier's fault? Okay, we've decided it's the ball carrier's fault. Now we've got to go, well... Is it lost or is it a penalty? Is it lost or is it a penalty? <laughs> so there are so many elements to it that happen so quickly. So I understand with the general public how there can be confusion over, well, why is that a lost ball and why is that a penalty? There's just so many elements to it. Yeah, and, and this is the benefits of having a full-time official squad where we can sit there and do stuff like that so we can sit there as a group and discuss these things and you know this is from pre-season all the way through so that we generally we are fairly consistent around these decisions because we all have the same expectations and the same parameters like every other decision we make some some of them we're going to get wrong sometimes you know we, we just make a wrong decision mm. but we don't make them wrong because we're confused about what we're looking at yeah we get them wrong because we just get them wrong yeah if that makes sense yeah yeah. yeah, it's not like a player is confused about whether they're allowed to knock the ball on or not. Yeah, they just they, they, sometimes they just get things wrong. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. So, what are you up to this weekend, Badge? Um, actually, just before we get into that, I just want to give a bit of a wrap to the New South Wales Rugby League. So, last night they have their Brad Fittler Medal Awards, which is a really big night for rugby league in New South Wales, and where they announce, you know, Origin Player of the Year, Women's Origin Player of the Year, um, you know, um, all, all all the way through the grades. But for the last three years, they've acknowledged referees on the night as well. So we have a junior rep referee of the year and a grade rep referee of the year, and they get up and they get to, you know interviewed on stage and stuff. So it's really good for our young and up-and-coming referees to get that little bit of sort of um, acknowledgement on the big stage. Um, so, yeah, m- uh, big credit to the New South Wales Rugby League. So last night we had two winners. We had the junior rep referee was Luke Souden, who's from the Manly Warringah District Referees Association, um, part of the junior rep squad that, that I coach. And the grade referee of the year was Kieran Ince, who's from South Sydney Referees Association, uh, an association that I'm a life member of. So I had a little bit of a connection with both those guys last night. So congratulations to them guys. And, yeah, like I said, also to the New South Wales Rugby League for acknowledging um, the important part that uh, our officials play in, in the game of rugby league. And you did look lovely all scrubbed up in your suit. Thank you. With your hair done. Thank you. <laughs> My hair was did. Um, yeah, but, yeah, this weekend I'm standby um, for semi-final. Um, as much as I'd love to be out on the field running around, um, there's only eight guys that can do it every week. Um, this week I'm coming off the bench sort of thing. I'll be running water for the boys and, and making sure that, you know, they they get every opportunity to go out there and do the best they can do. So, um, yeah, I'll be out there at Bankwest on Sunday. Yep, Parramatta and v- Brisbane. Yeah, yeah, it should be good. And hopefully I get back in Melbourne in time and uh, can come out there with you. So, yeah, like everyone says, you're on the touchline. Like um, everyone heard earlier, you're on the touchline with Kleine down in Melbourne. Yeah, on Melbourne and Canberra. Saturday, and I was, on, is... I was on that game a couple of weeks back when they played each other and we spoke about it on here where we had the two Symbians and it was a um, it was a really great, great game and I'm sure it'll be another... Another great one uh, this Saturday night and very much looking forward to that and the uh, women's comp- competition yeah, really kicking looking off. forward to it. Um, I'll definitely make sure that I watch both of those games. Um, so I'd like to encourage everyone to join our Facebook and Instagram pages. Our Facebook page is NRL Officiating and our Instagram handle is at NRL Officiating. So give us a follow to keep up to date with what's happening in the world of rugby league officials across the country from under sixes through to the NRL. 
If you're interested in becoming a referee, please visit refrugbyleague.com and if you would like to ask a question to be answered on the podcast, please shoot us a message. Thank you for listening to this week's Refs Roundup. Bye.